Hi, this is Richard Swartz with the Information Security Media Group, publishers of BankInfoSecurity.com and CUInfoSecurity.com. Today we're speaking with Stephen Jones, the Director of Information Security at Synovus. Good morning, Stephen. Morning. How are you? Doing well. Let's start with talking about your responsibilities there at Synovus. Could you tell us what falls under your responsibilities as a Director of Information Security? Well, that's a good question, Richard. I um, appreciate the opportunity. Uh, the scope of, of my responsibilities at, uh, at Synovus has increased uh, pretty substantially over the last few years, uh, and a lot of that we see uh, as a result of the increased consumer confidence issues and just the, the media presence and just the overall presence of, of uh, information and security risk as a whole, particularly in the banking industry. Um, banking consumer confidence is, is a big issue and a big differentiator as we see today. Uh, my scope today uh, involves uh, typical areas of risk, uh, information risk management, uh, to include policy, policy um, definition and policy management, business resiliency, disaster recovery. Uh, we do a lot in the identity management space, uh, incident response, and of course uh, risk management, risk assessments, and so forth. Sounds like quite the load. Let's talk about risk assessment and risk management for a while. What type of risk assessment methodology do you employ? Uh, we've been evolving our risk assessment methodology over the last three or four years, and uh, the intent was really to align our activities and our efforts towards what's important to the business. And we felt like uh, historically a lot of information security um, organizations have come out of the, the space of network security and, and working towards perimeter security and things like that. So. We've we've made a, a very genuine effort towards uh, making sure that the folks that the, the efforts that we're working on are what's important to the business. So we really take about we look at three different perspectives. We have an enterprise risk assessment. Uh, we've identified uh, about 60 different macro business processes throughout the organization, and so we look at each of those. And then due to our organizational structure as a bank holding company, we have 40 different uh, or 39 different banks right now. Uh, so we take a, a, a different look at each of those banks. And we we actually sit down and we interview with business process owners and bank facilitators, which are sort of information security officers at the bank, and we ask them questions uh, regarding threats and vulnerabilities and then compensating controls. And we come out with kind of a, a residual risk factor. So those residual risk scores are um, sort of a benchmark that we can use to uh, measure areas of remediation, measure progress, and just measure overall risk within different areas of the organization. How do you actually ensure that your risk management program is aligned with those business objectives? It's actually built into the process itself. A lot of what we do is, is about understanding the information architecture. Uh, so part of those uh, part of those risk assessments that we do, particularly with the business process owners, we sort of sit down and we walk 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 the business process owner through the typical business process kind of at a macro level and as we do that we try and identify key information assets that are part of um, part of their day-to-day -day business and we can then tie those information assets and begin to understand the impact both from a confidentiality and an availability standpoint so we have about nine questions that we use that uh, that are oriented around reputational risk uh, financial risk and regulatory risk, and we and we put it in sort of a quantitative method so that you know certain amount above or beyond a, a degree of net income, for example. Uh, so we may say if this is this going to be an impact over 20 million or under 20 million, 
And then that gives us some, some repeatable scores that we can use to understand the impact of that asset if it were compromised from a confidentiality standpoint or if it were compromised from an availability standpoint. And those factors go into our risk assessments for the business process owners. And so we can quickly establish relationships between systems and IT technology resources to understand how that information is being accessed, how it's being stored, and, and how it's being uh, transmitted. And all of that goes into both the quantitative and the qualitative components of our risk assessment. So at the end of the day, uh, we can share with the board of directors and we can share with the business process owners you know, where they are and where they need to improve, and, we can take, and, and thereby we're taking a risk-based approach to, uh, to our information risk management program. It sounds like you have a very robust risk management program, but I was curious, what other metrics do you use to demonstrate ROI on your security initiatives and security programs? Well, of course, the residual risk is one, but another one that we've done is we've recently done sort of a 360 risk management alignment diagnostic, and we did that um, in cooperation with our businesses to try and get a sense of what was important to them and how well they thought we were doing. And there were about 16 different attributes that we used, and interestingly enough, it, you know, it may seem like common sense, but risk identification and risk communication were among the highest in terms of effectiveness and in terms of importance. So that gave us a sense that we were, you know, working on some of the right things. And you would you, you would probably expect that risk identification and risk communication would be in there, but it was actually a little bit of a surprise when you saw some of the other attributes that were measured, things to include um, security awareness, business fr business friendly posture. Um, and user education and end user policies. Those are things that I might have expected to be a little bit higher. So it's so it, it, it was good for me to see that that you know identifying risk and communicating risk were two of the key uh, key objectives that the business was looking for us to deliver in terms of of, of value add. Interesting approach. Let's talk about incident response for a minute. Many organizations use the term in different ways. Some people use it in terms of a robust com computer incident response team with a forensic capability. Others simply mean incident reporting. Could you tell us from your experience, what are some of the best practices for managing the scope of this and also for managing the incident response function in a large financial institution? Well, I, think there's some, I think there's some differences depending on your organization. Uh, Synovus has some unique aspects to it, you know, having so many different affiliate banks related. Um, but we do have a very formalized uh, incident response program, and it's and it has evolved over the years with new threats such as phishing and things like that that have come out. Um, as part of that, um, we rely heavily on um, on our security facilitators and and folks you know within the banks to help us you know to to let us know you know when these incidents occur. And but we don't get into. I mean, I understand. You know, I've talked to other financial institutions that actually get into some of the customer computer forensics issues. You know, if if there was a customer that came to us and they had some some issues at home and some, and some confidentiality breached as a result of their personal computing environment, you know, we do everything we can to to talk with them, advise them on best computer security computer practices, but we don't actually get into the business of doing sort of customer forensics. Uh, you know, we work with uh, local and federal authorities on any kind of um, any kind of case, you know, that, that might involve uh, forensics, but we don't lead that investigation. So that's kind of where we draw the line in terms of uh, forensics. But our, you know, our incident response process is more around uh, trig uh, triggering, triage, handling, and, and reporting. Uh, whether it's internal communication, external communication, or just really coordination 
uh, within within the business in terms of what type of incident it is. How do you tie your incident response function back to your fraud prevention and detection efforts? For us, that's actually the easy part because they're really they're really reporting up through the same area and they work very closely together. We've got uh, incident response coordinators that work with incident response handlers um, and uh, those those are sort of the, the network in, uh, security engineers that, that work with the response coordinators and so those all those detection and prevention uh, controls are, are very in very close reach to incident response folks for us you know the challenge is 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 to make sure that that message is you know understood throughout the organization uh, we're a distributed organization throughout the southeast uh, so making sure that the frontline folks know, uh, you know, when to engage uh, uh, the incident response process and when to, when to, you know, you know, trigger the alarm to to, to get the folks working uh, to ensure the extent, understand the extent and appropriate response for uh, for a particular incident. What changes are coming in information security in regards to financial institutions? Are there new threats or new challenges that are altering the way that risk is managed? Well, there are a lot of changes I see that are coming in the in the financial space, and, and a lot of that is really being driven, I think, by the increased awareness, understanding of both the consumer and the banking regulatory agencies. On the consumer side, I think the consumers are becoming much more savvy uh, through just general exposure in the media and just general understanding uh, of of the risk that they that they expose themselves to every day through conducting online. Uh, transactions, whether it be in the e-tail space or in the e-banking space, um, and then the stories around identity theft and so forth, uh, and then that—that's also, I think, that 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 same awareness is is uh, being understood within the the uh, FFIC and, the, and all the banking interagencies. So we're seeing we're seeing um, you know a, a raising of the bar uh, of expectations and. Um, and responsibilities around around managing risk, especially in the banking industry. Uh, in terms of new threats and challenges, uh, identity and access issues are, are, are related to, you know, the, that consumer confidence piece. I think from the B2C space and, and even internally. Uh, but obviously, the proliferation of data, uh, mobile computing, mobile banking, all, all of these trends uh, present new, you know, new threat opportunities and and and, and new challenges for us. If you were going to give advice to somebody aspiring to become a CISO or moving up the security career ladder, what are one or two key skills or abilities that they must possess today to be successful? I think the ability to work very closely with with the business and, and understand the business's needs. Uh, you have to understand the business and understand and 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 provide value. Uh, if you're not providing value to the business, then you're not going to have the cooperation of the business, which is critical. Uh, to the success. Well, thank you for your information today. It's been great. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For other educational information or for other podcasts on banking and information security matters, you can go to www.bankinfosecurity.com or www.cuinfosecurity.com.